This episode of Your Catholic Life is brought to you by Iowa Catholic Radio, connecting listeners with Christ, iowacatholicradio.com, and everywhere you are on the free Iowa Catholic Radio app. Also, August 31st to September 9th, yes indeed, my next Great Saints pilgrimage to Rome and Assisi, along with my friend Father Scott Bullock. Go to pilgrimagetorome.com and see what others have said. It's filling quickly. pilgrimagetorome.com. Welcome in, everyone, to Your Catholic Life, a podcast for Catholics by Catholics, helping you grow in your faith. I'm John Leonetti, your host. Death. Yeah, I'm not always the most uplifting subject, at least to the secular mind. But to the Christian, well, it certainly can be. Why? Because we believe it's not the end. In fact, it's the beginning of what awaits. The hope that you and I will share in the death and resurrection of Christ. It might sound good and all. But it's not a theory. This is precisely what we believe, what we profess. My next guest is reminding the world of both who we are and what awaits us if we so choose. Dr. Scott Hahn, dare I say, one of the most prolific Catholic authors of our day. The contributions he's made to the church with clarity and charity have set hearts and minds on fire for Jesus Christ and his church. And after you listen here... I think you might know what I mean. Here it is, my conversation with Dr. Scott Hahn. Hi, Doctor. Hey, John, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Love the title here, man. Hope to die. To the secular mind, it seems like sort of like a paradox, but not to the Christian mind, Doctor. That's right. I mean, if we look at St. Paul, what we hear in his letter to the Philippians, for me to, to live as Christ, to die is gain. And I think when the world hears that, they're like, what is that all about? To die is losing, you know, not gaining. But I think that's the difference that our Lord Jesus makes, and especially as we appreciate this in Easter time, because everybody up until Jesus, when they died, they lost their life. Whereas Jesus turned death into prayer, death became not the loss of life, but the gift of life. Mm. And we have that in the Eucharist. But when we eat, the re- when we receive Holy Communion, we basically experience what Christ promised, and that is, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, I will raise Him up at the last day. This is how we come to share in Jesus' resurrection, because what we share, what we receive in Holy Communion, is the resurrected body of Christ. The Eucharist is the sacrament of the resurrection, because the real presence of Christ's body, it's the same body that was in the upper room on Thursday and on the cross on Friday, and then the tomb on Saturday. But what we receive is what came about as a result of Easter Sunday. So it is the resurrection. It is the ascension. The body of Christ is in heaven. It is glorified. That's what we receive, and that's what the Holy Spirit makes not only communicable and edible to us, but what will transfigure us from this life to the next. There's just no better way to begin a book than to talk about zombies, Doctor, and you did not disappoint. (laughs) Well, my daughter taught me well more than 15 years ago. I wasn't even aware of the zombie cultural craze, (laughs) but she was, and I became aware of the fact that, boy, there's both a fascination and a dread of death. What's beyond this life? Well, we don't know. And so we try to imagine different scenarios, and that's a kind of worst-case scenario 
But what our Lord has in store for us is beyond our wildest dreams. You share an interesting story right at the beginning also of the book, and it was uh, the first time you preached a funeral, which just so happened to be your grandmother's funeral in 1982. And uh, afterwards, you were talking about the resurrection of the body, and uh, someone very close to you came up to you and said, you don't really believe that, almost kind of uh, casting doubt or skepticism. And it happened to be your mother. You realized, though, this wasn't just with her. This was kind of wider range. That's right. I mean, here I was as a newly ordained Presbyterian pastor preaching my first funeral, and the funeral homily was based on John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life. And my mom really loved the sermon. She said so, but she paused and she said, do you really believe that we're going to get these bodies back in a resurrected form? And I'm like, well, hello. I mean, yeah, that's in the creed. And she's like, I'm not sure I want my body back. Well, it's not going to be the aging body that we're weighed down by. It is going to be different. She's like, seriously, you know, and we talked about it a fair bit over the next few years. And in becoming a Catholic, I had even more to share with her about the nature of the mystery of the body we get back. Christ said, I make all things new. He doesn't say I make new things. And so we're not going to get a new body, but we are going to get our bodies and they're going to be transformed, transfigured you know, so that they're going to resemble Jesus' glorified body. And once you begin to take it all in, you can see why St. Augustine said, of all 12 articles of the Creed, this is the one that basically receives more opposition and runs into more incomprehension because people aren't really sure whether they want to be getting their bodies back, much less this body. And so I address that in order to kind of intensify, but also clarify the nature of the hope that we have as Christians, and especially as Catholics who receive in the Holy Eucharist nothing less than the pledge of our own resurrection. You say that, the, uh, that even in death, our bodies point to the mystery of salvation. How does that happen? Well, you know, on the one hand, in creation, God made our bodies good. They're not just disposable wrappers or temporary cartons that are emptied of their contents. The body is good. It's a sacrament of the soul a visible side of an invisible reality. You can't see me as a person, but you see me in my body, and that's how we communicate. That's how we enjoy communion. Well, if that was true in creation, it's not less but even more true in salvation. So you have a body, and ultimately what you're going to get back is a participation in Christ's own resurrected body, and that is the real meaning of our bodies because we're going to enter into a communion of saints in glory that will make the most fun, most fulfilling family reunion we had ever experienced on earth or any vacation seem like sheer misery in comparison. And this is what our bodies are for. You know, St. John Damascene said, I don't worship matter like the pagans, but I worship the God who made matter, Hmm. who assumed a material body and uses that matter to bring us to himself in glory. And so you can see how the Creator and the Redeemer are one and the same, and the body He gave us is the body He is going to redeem. Should there be a healthy fear of death? Yes, indeed. It's natural. But at the same time, there should be a healthy fear of physical suffering and natural death, but an even healthier and stronger fear of the supernatural death that we experience through mortal sin. And I point out in the book the distinction between bios, that physical life that we share with animals, and the Greek word zoe, which is pointing to the spiritual life that comes from God. Jesus doesn't say, I am the resurrection and the bios. I am the resurrection and the zoe. I am the bread of zoe. 
I am the way, the truth, and the Zoe. I am coming to share your bios for the purpose of giving you my Zoe. And so what we've got to do is recognize it is natural to fear the death of the flesh. But what we've got to cultivate is fearing the death of the soul. You know, I quote St. Julian of Toledo who said, Destined to die, humanity struggles to avoid dying, and yet destined to eternal life, we do not labor to avoid sinning. And so if you reflect upon the fact that mortal sin snuffs out the life of God and the soul, which is not less of a death but far more than a bullet to the brain or being laid into the ground, this is a kind of holy fear. So we treasure the gift of life, it's sacred, but then there's another life that is even more sacred. And so what we've got to do through the eyes of faith is to recognize that the world right now is confronted with this pandemic, with a kind of fear of death. It's inordinate, because mortality is inevitable, but immortality is also inevitable. So we've got to live this life and face our physical death and avoid spiritual death. In a certain sense, this is just adding up the articles of the creed and reaching the sum, the practical sum total of the 12 articles of the creed that we recite is to recognize that death is unavoidable, and yet Jesus has transformed it from the loss of life to the gift of life by giving us his life in the Holy Eucharist. And in a certain sense, this might, you know, seem new to people, but it is, it's ever ancient, it's ever new. And so what I'm hoping to do in this book, Hope to Die, is to re-enkindle a practical hope that is deeply grounded in all of the things that we've believed since we were kids. I have a friend who's a director of uh, a funeral home, and um, I, I was over there and talking to him one day, and this was about a year and a half ago, and I was talking to him about his work, and I was I was incredibly amazed at the reverence that he had uh, for the bodies that were in his care, the reverence, the way he would talk, the way he would uh, describe what it is that, that they do. It was, it was beautiful in a way. And it immediately drew my mind uh, to that when I read about you tying this into the new evangelization, how we treat and bury the dead. It is a form of evangelization. You know, I keep coming back to the experience that I've had as a father and a teacher how much more is caught than taught. You mm-hmm. teach by example more than by lecture. You know, and so the early church basically taught and evangelized the Roman Empire. Talk about a culture of death, and not just in the creed or in their homilies, but how they treated the bodies, and not just the bodies of the martyrs or of the saints. All bodies after Christ has assumed our flesh and resurrected. I mean, we inherited from Judaism a unique reverence for the body and for burial customs. You can see this in Tobit, in Second Maccabees, and elsewhere. But we took it to the next level, and you can see this in the first three or four centuries, and you can see what an effect it had, because in four or five centuries, the entire Roman Empire got rid of cremation and began to adopt inhumation, that is, the sacred burial practices of the Christians, because this faith gave us a whole new understanding that, again, goes beyond propositional doctrine. It is this a way of living real life. And I, I'm convinced that, you know, back in the 1800s when the Bolsheviks and the Masons introduced cremation, they did so as a weapon against the Catholic Church, knowing that why attack the Articles of the Creed when you can undermine faith and subvert the belief in the resurrection of the body simply by mistreating it. And so the Church condemned it. Only when it ceased to be an explicit and intentional anti-Catholic practice 
that the church in the 1960s permit it. But that's all the church does. It permits cremation, but it approves and commends the sacred burial customs that go back to how our Lord's own body was treated. And so I'm convinced that we can basically re-evangelize a culture, again, through books and talks and all that sort of thing. But when you approach death, not only your own, but the death of your loved ones, and you approach their body. In fact, it was my mother's funeral that really brought this home to me. I'm looking at a body that was more than a shell. That was the body that was home for me and my siblings for nine months. And that was no more than a temporary way station. It was a sacred reminder to me, again, of how it's not just Jesus' body, it's our bodies, and it's the communion of the saints, but ultimately that is only going to be perfected when we get our bodies back. And they're going to be greater than we can imagine. The lowest saint, who's the weakest in heaven, will be more agile and strong than the greatest Olympic athlete in human history. Mm. And that's not spicy, hot exaggeration. I mean, that is the plain and simple fact of our faith. I, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but I have to think there's a connection between Our Lady's Ascension and kind of what you're getting at here in, in some some way, shape, or form. That's right. I mean, the fact is, when I get to heaven and you do, Lord willing, we're going to get bodies back as men. But when she was assumed into heaven, she was assumed body and soul. It isn't like, well, that's the inferior sex, and so she'll be resuited with a higher body. No, what God made was good, and what God redeemed is even better. And so in a certain sense, Our Lady, the new Eve, was assumed by her son, the new Adam, to bring about a new creation. And so this is the acorn, the seed that is planted that will become, in a sense, greater than any oak tree we've ever seen. But her body as woman, in Revelation 12 especially, but also in the early church's hymns as well as the homilies, this is something that they're celebrating. They're not debating it. And they can see in her not only the mother of Jesus, but our mother who's been empowered to get her sons and daughters safely home to heaven, and not just as disembodied spirits, but as resurrected souls just like she is. You got the quite the repertoire here of endorsements and people that I certainly trust. And, you know, if it's not enough to put your name on it, Dr. Scott Hahn, the book Hope to Die, friends, you can get it uh, by going to stpaulcenter.com. Doctor, I cannot thank you enough for your time today. Oh, John, you're most welcome. But thank you for the invitation. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Keep up the great work. Dr. Scott Hahn, everyone. So there you have it, friends. That was awesome. Sincerely, awesome. And one of those that I hope you listen to a few more times. Yes, for some, thinking about death is morbid and hopeless. But again, to the Christian, there's so much more to it. Get this book. Big thanks to Dr. Scott Hahn, my guest today. Friends, make sure to share this and other episodes of Your Catholic Life on Facebook and Twitter, inviting your friends to take part in the show. Visit our website at yourcatholiclifepodcast.com as well. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm John Leonetti signing off here on Your Catholic Life. Remember, the only way to happiness is by holiness. Be confident in Christ's mercy and his love today.